Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Blaine Monaghan, CEO of Fremont Gold. They're a TSX-listed gold explorer with NASA in Nevada. We talked to them about how they hope to develop that, having raised 1.5 million bucks in February. Is it going to be enough? What are their plans? And we talk a little bit about their experienced board. Enjoy the podcast. Blaine, how are you doing, sir? Very good. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. So we're going to hear your story today. I've not heard it before. Nevada Explorer, so that'll be exciting. So why don't you give us that one-minute overview, and then we'll uh, pick it up from there. Sure. Fremont Gold is a Nevada exploration company. We are 100% focused on Nevada. We have five gold projects. I would characterize two of them as advanced stage, so they have current or historic resources or past producers. That would include Cobb, which we picked up from Contact Gold last year, and Griffin, which we picked up from Liberty Gold in December of last year. Griffin is the focus. It's a past producing Carlin mine. It was last in production in 1999. And we're gonna be the first company to go out there and drill it since then. And we think it has great potential for new discovery. And ultimately our goal is to outline more resources uh, to get to this sort of stage where it might be of interest to a junior or mid-tier or senior gold mining company. Okay, so that that's the game plan. You're an explorer developer. Is that how you position yourself? I mean, what, I mean, what, what is the plan? What did you set out to do? The plan is relatively straightforward. It's, it's a plan that a lot of junior gold exploration companies follow, and that is obviously to make a new discovery outline resources, perhaps get it to a preliminary economic assessment stage, demonstrate its economic robustness, which would be of interest to a gold producer. Um, our, our take is a little bit different in the sense that we're more focused on brownfield exploration projects, so projects that already have uh, you know, path production like Griffin. And that, that makes it a little bit easier for us in the sense that there's, there's a lot more data to deal with, there's a lot more history and particularly when you're looking at a project like Griffin, um, we, we know there's that production profile and we look at the, the production profile from the past and we look at what the past operator did. Uh, they were very much focused on production. They didn't conduct too much regional exploration. The, the more recent exploration work that's been done has identified a lot of compelling targets. And these are the sort of targets that we're going out there looking to test, to look to continue to build additional ounces to get it to that sort of resource stage that might be of interest to a producer and ultimately sell the asset or the company. Right. Okay. So, but, And that's something that's worked well for us in the past. Right. So that's what I want to get into because today you're a seven million Canadian dollar company. It, it, it's small, right? And you've been around for a while and you've seen the highs and the lows and the share price of it, but it, it's where it's at today. So. Can we talk about the team? Because you said we've done this in the past. You, you, I'm looking at the names down, down here. Obviously, some nice names, nice experience. It's a very big list for a junior miner at $7 million. So what, why so many people and, and why is that directing what you're focusing your time on? Sure. I, I think we've been able to attract a pretty high caliber board and advisory board. And it's important to make that distinction also. So our management team is quite small. I'm the only full-time employee. Uh, you have Dennis Moore, who I replaced as CEO in October of 2018. He was the founder of the company, the company listed in 2017. He remains as president. He's the single largest shareholder with about 5.6 million shares. You have Clay Newton, who's the VP Exploration. He's a PhD structural geologist. 
Uh, he's part-time. And we also have uh, Paul Hansett, who's a part-time CFO. So as far as GNA on management, I, I think it, it's quite good. But then when you look at the board, I think the board brings a lot of strength when you look at, say, myself and Mike Williams. We bring that sort of capital markets background. You know, I've worked for a lot of companies, actually, since I started in the business in 2001. I started with Wheat River Minerals, which was acquired by Gold Corp in 2005. Uh, I've worked for 12 companies, but it sounds like a lot, but five of them have been subject to M&A. So it's been a happy ending for myself and shareholders. Uh, Mike Williams was with, uh, he was a founder of Underworld, which was acquired by Kinross. Uh, you have Dennis Moore, who was the, the former CEO, and Alan Carter, who was also a founder of Fremont. Uh, they bring that technical background, that technical expertise. And more recently, we brought on Randall Chatwood, who's the current legal counsel at B2 Gold, and before that was counsel at Gold Corp. And I've known Randall for a long time. We actually go back to a company called Camplatz, which uh, I worked with from 2007 to 2010. And, and that was a sort of brand new, exciting exploration play where, you know, our geologists were driving down the road. They noticed the road surface color change from a chalky white to a rusty reddish brown and uh, thought, you know, this looks like waste rock from an oxide deposit. And they went to the locals and said, you know, where'd you get this, this material you used to construct the road? They were directed to a small pit. Three years later, 4 million ounces gold acquired by Gold Corp for over 300 million. And Randall Chaplin was our, our legal counsel at a, a law firm called Lawson and Lundell at the time. So I think we've got a, a great team at the management and board level, and, and then I, I could get into the advisory board. No, let's not, let's not, let's not. I think there's a lot of names. There's a lot of names already. Um, I want to come, I want to bring it back to, you know, what what is it that those people are doing to help you, you know, shape the direction of the company? You've, you've talked about Brownfield. So you've got, you've, you've acquired Griffin from um, Liberty uh, at the end of last year. Obviously, people don't give away the good stuff, right? So why do you think it's so good? Why are you going to make something of it where Liberty have been happy to, you know, flip it to you? We were very fortunate to acquire Griffin. I mean, the stars were aligned on that. Um, if, if you were to look at Griffin's history and its, its past production profile, um, really no work had been done on it um, since it was last in production in 99 until Liberty picked it up. And, and when I say Liberty, it was previously called Pilot and they changed their name to Liberty. So they picked it up in 2012, and at that point in time, it was one of their more high-ranking properties. It featured prominently in their in their materials dating back to that time period. They did a lot of exploration work. They they outlined the targets. A lot of the targets we're looking to test today. They permitted it. They bonded it. Um, but frankly, then they got distracted by some of their other projects. They have a lot of good projects in their portfolio. They moved on to Kinsley. Uh, then they moved on to Gold Strike. Now they're focused on Black Pine, where they're having a lot of success. And we were able to get Griffin because Cal Everett, the CEO of Liberty, is convinced they're going to be acquired. He's probably right. And he's looking to divest of all of his non-core assets. So he's done a deal with us on Griffin. He's doing a deal with another small junior called Barian on Kingsley. He sold his Turkish assets. He sold in that profit interest. So basically, he's trying to unlock and crystallize all the value from his non-core uh, projects. And right now, obviously, Griffin would be one of them. And uh, fortunate for us, we were looking. It was a project that fit the bill for us, and they were keen to do a deal. And more importantly for us, as far as a, a small gold company, that, that I felt the terms were quite reasonable. It wasn't very heavy in cash. 
and it was more more heavy on the share side where uh, this time next year they'll end up owning 10 percent of the company and that was important for him because he felt if we had success they wanted to have a meaningful stake okay so i mean let's, let's talk about the economics i keep coming back to this your seven million dollar company how much cash have you got in the bank about one million right now right so what are you going to be able to do with one million bucks quite a lot so we went out there I, I tell this to people quite often. Um, I, I would have loved to have raised money at a higher price. Uh, I would have loved to have had the time to, to market Griffin and Cobb and our team after we made that acquisition, but we didn't have that luxury. I had to pull the trigger on the financing when we did. Um, but because of the strength of our team and our projects in the jurisdiction and, and the attractiveness of the unit financing, you know, we went out there looking to raise a million. We upsized it to 1.5 and closed it in a matter of weeks. So with the proceeds from that, we'll, we, our drill program, our initial, I just call it a first pay phase or a first pass. We're looking to do 2000 meters. So that program is fully funded. We've budgeted $400,000 Canadian all in for that program. So that's drilling, assaying, geologist times, road construction, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that will enable us to test. Uh, we've permitted 16 drill holes there. There are four principal target types that we're looking after uh, or looking to drill. So we'll be able to do a, a several holes in each one of those targets to you know, at least prove up the concept of what we're trying to do. I, I imagine we're gonna be very busy at Griffin for a, a long period of time, but this, is, this will fund that first initial phase. So how does that work? Help, help us understand how you go at planning something like this, because I'm always intrigued with exploration companies because the chance of success is, is quite low, but if you get it right, the returns are obviously substantial. So you've, got, you've, got, you've allocated $400,000, you've got some historical data. So what is, what is the picture that you're trying to build out to allow you to go and do the next raise at hopefully you know, a higher price? And how, how, does it, how does that work? Uh, well, that is one of the advantages of brownfield projects. Obviously, there is a lot more data. You have a far better understanding of the deposit type and what exploration uh, tools might be appropriate for that to look for additional targets. Uh, so for us, you know, we, we would have been looking at a combination of the historical data as far as the drilling and the production. Uh, but really, a lot of the targets that we're going to be testing were identified by Liberty when they picked it up and did all that work. You know, the, they did the soils, they did the mapping, they did the geophysics. And when you sort of look and, and combine that historical data with the work that Liberty had done, a lot of the lift, heavy lifting had already been done for us. I mean, that is one of the great things about coming into a project that has a past history but also more recent exploration that's been carried out by a first-class exploration team. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody could fault any work that Liberty has ever conducted. They, they simply have one of the best teams out there. So frankly, for us, it was just a really matter, it was really a matter of just making sure that the targets they had outlined and permitted were the targets we wanted to go after. So we really looked at it and, you know, we didn't talk about the advisory board, but it, it kind of comes into play here when you're looking at the exploration plan. So when we were coming up with our exploration plan, Clay Newton, our VP exploration, put together the plan. Uh, we had uh, a very long conference call with several of our advisory board members because I wanted their input. And two of the people that on the advisory board that uh, played a, a key role in making sure that this was the correct plan 
uh, was Andy Wallace and Jamie Robinson. So Andy Wallace is, uh, I, I call him Mr. Nevada. He is the principal of Cordex Exploration. Uh, the, the founder of Cordex was John Livermore, who co-discovered the Carlin mine. And Andy, when he took over, I mean, they were behind nine discoveries, five of which are still in production today. So he's a Carlin expert, uh, and this was a Carlin mine. And Jamie Robinson, who we appointed as a technical advisor, was the former exploration manager for Alta Gold, who put this into production, and he was behind one of the discoveries there. So when Clay came up with this exploration plan, I wanted to put it in front of these gentlemen to make sure that, listen, this is what we want to do. These are the targets. What are your thoughts? I wanted to make sure that when we drill these targets, uh, you know, we are not wasting money. Uh, I want to make sure that the targets we're drilling are appropriate, that they aren't targets that have already been tested or discounted. So we tweaked the program a little bit. And, uh, you know, I have absolute faith now in the targets we're going to test are going to be the best dollars spent and will generate results. And do you, but do you, what do you do with that information then? Because obviously that you're going to need to raise some capital. What do people get enthusiastic about that you're going to, well, what, what are you going to try or hope to put in front of people that's going to get them excited over and above, as you say, the historical data? You know, how are you joining those dots up? That's the bit I don't get. Well, it's always the blue sky, isn't it? So you're looking at, you're looking at a past producing mine that had a pretty small production profile. But when you look at the history of the mine and that it was a, a relatively new discovery regionally, it was discovered only in the early 80s and first drilled in 88. It only saw 214 drill holes, which is not a lot of drilling for a mine that went into production. And almost all of that drilling was focused on delineating the deposits. So when you look at that and you look at the, the project from a, a more regional uh, scale, you can say, listen, these guys really just scratch the surface. And when you look at these Carlin systems, they can be very, very big. So our thought obviously is, and this is where we're trying to connect the dots and get people excited, is that, listen, these guys just scratch the surface. There are many exploration targets that haven't been tested. And we think we have a great chance here to outline something much, much bigger than was originally uh, imagined. So, how, so who, who are you trying to attract? Because again, you know, traditionally retailers kind of plowed in there, um, you know, you know, into exploration place because they see the big blue sky opportunity. Do you, have you seen that fade away? Not just COVID, but pre pre COVID. Are you having to tap up different sources for money? Yes and no. I mean, the uh, I mean, it's just been awful out there for the past nine years as far as being in the in the junior gold exploration game, except for you know some uh, a few few new discoveries during that time period. And really, for a company of our stage, it, it is really a retail game. So you are really focused on the retail investors and brokers. Uh, we do have some institutional ownership of the company. At this point in time, I, I wouldn't be targeting corporates. Um, they, they, they could be, you know, I might envision a strategic uh, investment somewhere down the road. But right now, I, I want to basically be able to del deliver those returns to the people that invest in the company now and not potentially give up or become beholden to another entity. But, you know, things have changed dramatically just in the space of the last few months. I mean, things were awful all the way up to January, February. They got worse and now things are booming. I'm seeing uh, a number of brokered financings, which I have not seen in a long time. I'm seeing bot deals that I have not seen and almost every single financing that I've seen in the last month or so has been oversubscribed. 
Um, so it, it's a good time right now for juniors. And that certainly hasn't been the case for, for some time. When we closed our financing in February, uh, we were you know over the moon and just very happy that we got it and it was oversubscribed and we had the money to conduct our exploration. And then when March came with COVID, we're counting our lucky stars. But again, you know, in the space of a month, things have changed dramatically. It's interesting, it's interesting times, I, I, I think. But do, during the, you said, okay, nine years, it's been tough. Do, do you think junior explorers have changed their model or have they just kept on doing the same thing over and over and hoping for a different result? Did you think about changing your strategy? A little bit, and we did. Um, you know, and that's what really, to answer your question first off, no, I don't, I don't think the junior exploration model has really changed. I mean, there are just different models companies can choose and some have become more popular over the years versus others. I mean, we've certainly seen a lot more streamers uh, entering into the fray. Um, I haven't seen, and, and you probably might have expected to see more companies become project generators because obviously that lowers the risk of you know, capital, et cetera. We haven't seen much of that during this cycle. Um, but for the most part, junior gold exploration companies' business model fundamentally remains the same, and that's to go out there and raise money to conduct early stage exploration, whether at greenfields or brownfields, to try to make that discovery to attract a takeout. Um, I think the one thing that we changed when I came on was to become wholly focused on advanced stage exploration projects. And that reflected to a certain extent the, the market dynamics in the sense that it's very difficult to fund early stage exploration projects. And it still is because you don't have as much data. It's much harder to, to paint that blue sky for people when you, you have you don't have much information to sort of connect those dots to lead people down the road. And uh, that that was a principal focus for us last year when we were looking at projects. They had to be advanced stage and also they had to be in the western U.S. or Nevada because I am also con very much concerned about political risk. So I wanted to make it as easy as possible uh, for people that might be interested in a gold exploration company to open up their wallet to, to say that, listen, from a project side, it's somewhat de-risk because you have a lot more data. From a jurisdiction side, uh, it obviously has a lot more risk, less risk because it's in one of the world's most favored mining jurisdictions. And then obviously the, the team helps on both fronts also. Okay, talk to me about the corporate structure because you've got you know, fully diluted 124 million shares, again, 7 million market cap. You know, and I appreciate there's some history to this company and you stepped in at some point in 2018. Um, what sort of tidying up have you done or had to do to the corporate structure? Not too much. I mean, I can't really fault um, the, the company I moved into. It was a relatively new company at the time, so it didn't have too much history. It only listed in 2017, so I came on really just a year later. Um, I think the strategy was appropriate, but you know we had to make some tough decisions last year, and, and I think that's what might separate us from some other companies when you just have to quickly realize the strategy you're taking is not working, and you sometimes have to make tough decisions. And we did that last year. So we, again, had some advanced stage gold projects. We had uh, Gold Bar and Gold Canyon, which were adjacent to and surrounding McEwen's Gold Bar. And we did raise some money, we did drill the projects, and the rationale obviously was that, listen, if you have success, you have a, a, a buyer up the road, which is McEwen, 
the the only caveat to that is well you're, you're really just beholden to that one buyer so we did drill those projects we had a little bit of success but frankly not enough success for me to to continue to want to hold those assets so we, we dropped gold bar we were able to sell gold canyon to McEwen. And then we basically had to go and look for new advanced digital projects. So last year, you know, we, we did get beat up in that process, but it was absolutely the right strategy to take. And, and we've gotten through it. And I think now we're very well positioned for what I think is going to be a great bull run in gold. But you're nowhere near where you were. No, we're about uh, 50% from our market highs, I think. Our 52-week high now is actually 10 cents, so we're almost right there. But if you were to go back over three years, I think you've got into the low 20s, uh, what have you. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm fairly confident that uh, with Griffin and what we're doing there, I think all shareholders are going to be made whole and, and more so. Okay. And do you think the strategy of just, I know you've got Griffin and, and Cobb, but you're really focused on Griffin. I think it's kind of one asset strategy is going to be enough to give you the optionality you need and encourage the market to get behind your story? I do with Griffin. And and I would say right now, although Griffin is the focus, uh, Cobb is an excellent number two. It's really just a matter of, of capital and budget. I, I would love to be advancing Cobb at the same time that I'm advancing Griffin but frankly don't have the budget for that right now. And Cobb isn't at the stage like Griffin is. It's not ready to be drilled. I mean, it does have a historic resource. It does have a number of targets, but this gets back again to the sort of exploration model you might want to apply to help guide your exploration. So uh, at Cobb, again, we think it has excellent potential for Carlin deposit. So we need to get back in there and do the sort of work that Liberty had done at Griffin and identify targets and start the permitting process. So uh, that is something we could do in tandem, but I mean, it's 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 a year behind or a year or two behind where Griffin is right now because Griffin is obviously ready to go and we plan to start drilling it next month. Okay. How much money have you put in the company? How much money have I put in? Mm. I've bought just a little over a million shares in the market. So I've participated in private placement. I've bought in the market. So my average price today is about nine, nine, ten cents. So about ninety, hundred thousand dollars $100,000. And what about the rest of management? Well, I know you're the main employee, but in terms of insiders, there's a lot of insiders, but they're kind of legacy insiders, aren't they? So where's the rest of the support going to come for, for you? Yeah, so yes and no to uh, your first question there. So some of the insiders uh, were positioned through the formation of the company, but Dennis Moore, who was the former CEO, current president, he, he has 5.6 million shares and he's bought 2.6 million of that private placements and uh, in the market. Uh, Alan Carter, uh, founder, has 3 million. Clay Newton, a founder, has 3 million. Um, when you look at uh, new supporters for the company, in our last financing, when we raised that 1.5, half of that came from uh, a local broker uh, in Vancouver who's been very supportive of the company. And we continue to you know, generate new supporters and, and more and more interests uh, as we approach drilling. And you know, we have a much more compelling story to tell than, than we have ever, frankly. So I think we're in the right environment to continue to attract uh, the right investors. And I think people can see if they look through our news releases over the past year that, that we're making all the right moves and continuing to strengthen the team and the property portfolio. So it's it's probably a good company to look at if you are interested in a junior gold exploration company. 
What happens if you can't raise the money you need to be able to do the next phase? Well, that would be problematic. Uh, I don't expect that is going to be an issue. When we look at the the last financing we did and, and why it was so attractive because of the assets and the team and the jurisdiction, it was a six cent unit financing with a full warrant at 10 cents. I fully expect that we're going to be able to get those warrants exercised. I mean, we are almost at 10 cents right now. That would bring in another $2.4 million. So I expect we're going to get some of the, get those warrants exercised. Uh, as we continue to move closer towards drilling, drilling results, a strong gold market, you know, I think that's going to happen. And I think when getting back to my earlier point, as far as the interest in the gold space right now, it seems that most companies that have good teams and good projects and have a real plan are able to access capital. I agree with that. Blaine, thank you very much, sir. I've really enjoyed that story. Thank you. Thank you. Um, best of luck with that. Um, let us know how you get on. And when do you expect the drill program to complete? When will you know more? Yeah, we uh, we have finalized the exploration plan. Uh, our, our permits are approved. Right now, Clay Newton, the VP Exploration, is lining up our drillers. So in the next couple of weeks, I'll have a far better sense of exactly when drilling is going to start. We have said June from the get-go. It's just a matter whether it's going to be sometime mid or late June. And from the start of drilling, you know, you could be looking anywhere from uh, four to six weeks for initial drill results. So it could be sometime, uh, why don't we just say sometime in August for initial results. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to come back to market before Christmas. Yeah, right now our, our current treasury would get us through into the beginning of Q4 if those warrants weren't, weren't exercised. Okay, okay, understood. Well, Blaine, thanks very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.